Hi, I'm Ken. And I'm Dee. And this is Antiques Freaks today, recording on site in Circa Vintage in scenic New Bedford with Chris. Hello, Chris. Hello. So what is Circa Vintage? Circa Vintage is a vintage clothing store opened in 1986 and going strong covering everything from um, vintage clothing from the 1800s to the 80s, I guess. Accessories, shoes, costume jewelry. We do rentals. We supply films. By which you mean supplying clothes for films? Yes, yes. Clothing for films, for period films, and um, everything in between. Dope. So, Chris, what got you into vintage clothing? I guess um, I just just wanted to wear different clothing than everyone else. My friends and I would have parties where we would have theme parties, and we started going to thrift stores and like real thrift stores. And then eventually, we found vintage stores. Uh, this would have been in the late seventies, early eighties, and it was sort of a make your own fashion kind of vibe thing. We were just kind of dressing different, and we didn't want to buy new clothes, and we hated labels and you know all the, the fashion industry crap. And, you know, one thing led to another and I opened a store. Yeah, that was like the real spirit of the 70s was like making your own clothes, putting together your own outfits. Like, yeah, I didn't I hadn't really considered it in the 70s. I think I was I, that kind of became a little bit later. But I mean, well, I, yeah, I was I think the 70s. I think I was still kind of an asshole and just, you know, like, <laughs> you know, in shock and whatever, you know. And, and then I think I started I found something I really liked. So and I thought everything about the business was fun. You know, the, the fact that we're repurposing stuff, um, a lot of the money went to charities, a little old ladies who were like cleaning out their attics. And it just all made sense. It, was, it felt like it was a win-win on many levels. And I was making, I was able somehow to make a living. So that would, made it even better. That's really cool. Yeah. Is there any particular era of vintage clothing that you favor? I always seem to like the 40s. Although, you know, I think there's aspects of every every era that I, that really draw me. I like, you know, the 30s stuff. I like the, some of the 20s stuff. I like 70s even when I grew up. I mean, some of that stuff is, I find really interesting now. There's, I could pluck stuff from every era, but I don't know, for some reason, the 40s always just, like the fabrics were always so beautiful and the colors were just interesting and the prints were always amazing and color combinations and, you know, cold rayon and gabardine. And um, I just, I don't know, I just thought that stuff was just beautiful. Amen. Hardcore 40s fashion enjoyer. <laughs> Yeah, I mean, how could you not love it? I mean, if but see, how many people are even exposed to it now? Yeah. You know, you just don't see it, you know, other than vintage stores. And a lot of vintage stores don't even have it anymore because you can't, it's really hard to find. Yeah. But that's probably my favorite. If I had to pick. <laughs> how do you feel about, because like, you've supplied a variety of historical, like, films and TV shows. How do you feel about the end products of a lot of those, about, say, like, a Downton Abbey or a Boardwalk Empire, in terms of how it represents vintage fashion? Well, I mean, they're selling a product and, you know, I mean... I guess in some ways, like, like I'll give you a good example. Um, Boardwalk Empire used Brown's Beach vests and Brown's Beach jackets, which was a, which was a workwear company, Brown's Beach, out of Worcester. And everybody in this Northeast had Brown's Beach jackets. I mean, it was like a thing. And they were, they were popular amongst, like, the Japanese collectors and hardcore workwear people. And Boardwalk Empire, John Dunn particularly, uh, the costume designer, used Brown's Beach in, in Boardwalk Empire, and it, like, blew up. Like, all of a sudden, the value of it went crazy. Everybody wanted Brown's Beach. Can't find them anymore. You know, they're, they're real gourmet things. But I don't know. I mean, Downton Abbey, eh, you know, I guess, I mean, I think it, 
the one thing it does is it really creates a real interest in that era. Like whenever there's a film or a, a series or whatever it is and they portray it well, I think it just it, it becomes like a thing and everybody wants it. You know, like like even when um, Sex in the City, I can <laughs> remember when that happened and yeah. Jessica Parker was really into vintage. You know, it was like, ooh, all of a sudden vintage was like, you know, and she, she carried like the um, magazine handbags. It was like a hot shell handbag, a clutch purse, but it was a vintage magazine. Usually it was Paris Match or, or like, oh. And, and oh my God, everybody wanted those. And I would have, I would get them from time to time in my store, but that was just an example. Like all of a sudden it became such a thing, you know, and you go online and they're really expensive, you know, but, but, you know, I think that's sort of how it, how it goes with, you know, pop culture and fashion and, you know, and I think part of the whole thing about my take on it was vintage to me was like sort of anti-fashion. It was sort of like we were sort of thumbing our nose at um, fast fashion. And it was about creating your own look, you know, based on what you liked and what you found, you know. And I think that's sort of still like what I like about doing it still. Especially in a time where fast fashion is an even bigger problem than ever. Yeah. Although, you know, like a lot of the young people getting into it, vintage now, they don't want to buy new clothes, you know. Not to say any of them or some of them aren't really into vintage per se they're into second hand but it sort of creates this oh well what do you find in the swift stores well y2k stuff you know so y2k becomes a trend i think i'm old too old for that stuff but i mean <laughs> I, I still like the 40s you know <laughs> if i can find it lord knows i feel too old for that stuff and that's like that was the fashion when i was young <laughs> that's why you hate it <laughs> it drives me nuts yeah. it's like i lived through this and you you're making me do it again bad fabrics you know <laughs> bad fabrics the terrible cuts the yeah like, you're trying to do trying uh, to do takes on every era known to man all conglomerate into one thing although yeah. you know gunny sacks did that with gunny sacks dresses i mean they they did like the poorly constructed medieval you know yes with quotes, right uh victorian with you know it was like it was like a victorian sleeve with a medieval yeah, it was just i don't know it was just sort of crazy mishmash but <laughs> people love them and now they're very collectible which you know again trends yeah. yeah speaking of have you noticed any particular trends recently something people uh, come through well, asking workwear is going strong the t-shirt thing is really strong now you know i guess is that a trend i get yeah i guess well the denim and workwear thing is definitely a trend it, it seems to be going it's been going for a while now you know i think the people that i generally cater to are drawn to my store i should say uh people that like the you know better or worse term um real vintage you know a true vintage they call <laughs> yeah. it but um, I don't know. I just I'm just going for what I like. I like quality, you know, interesting lines, you know, beautiful fabrics. I think that's what drew me to all of it, you know, originally. And I think it's still what drives me now. What are your favorite pieces in the shop or that have passed through the shop? I had a couple of um, East West musical instrument leathers. I, I thought I just think those are beautiful. I guess they were made for rock stars. They were really beautifully handmade leather jackets. And it's just the cut work and just the detail and the way they fit and the way they were made. It, I, I just love those, you know, and I've had a couple over the years, but hard to find. You know, and, um, you know, they're pricey, you know, if you try and buy one now. But I don't know. You know, I, I, I could mention some designer things I've had, but, you know, that's not really what I really love. I, I just like, like, I try not to go, oh, it's designer. You know, it's like, yeah, I mean, a lot of it's great, but some of it's, you know, okay, you know, but just because it has a label on it doesn't mean it's like insane. You know, one piece a friend of ours enjoyed was a seersucker suit that he rented yeah. for a 1920s party. Yeah. White stripe yeah, classics. Check, yeah, classic that they still make make and was it a three-piece one he got 
Yes, it was yeah, three-piece. Yeah, yeah, three-piece. Very Super dapper. interesting, yeah. <laughs> it's like a Tom Wolf kind of thing, you know? I love menswear, obviously. I mean, that's I focus a lot on that, although I do have women's wear, but I, I love really interesting quality men's stuff, particularly, you know, like 30s, 40s. I just think that stuff is so, so great, you know? The tweed suits or the linen suits or the, you know, the Norfolk jackets with, the, you know, the knickered suits, things like that. I think are just, like, amazing. But um, I don't know. They're tough to, tough to come by. <laughs> I was going to say, I think, I think menswear is, like, a weirdly underserved, like, segment of vintage wear. It's definitely come up around a lot lately, though. I mean, the last few years, yeah. I think there's a lot of dudes, you know, getting into vintage. <laughs> and, you know, the, the dapper, you know. Um, uh, I remember reading where um, it was a Patriots quarterback. I'm trying to think of his name. Played a couple of years for the Pats, and I read he was into vintage. I was like, oh, my God. I wonder if he's going to haunt my store. <laughs> not Thomas and Brady. No, it wasn't Tom Brady. No, it definitely was not Tom Brady. He was, um, he was like, a real flashy guy. But he, he stated in an interview that he was really into vintage. And I, there was some Boston sports broadcaster guys that had come in and um, have spoken about me online. I mean, not online, on, on their radio shows. And um, I oddly would get, like, like some guy that listened to this sports show <laughs> seek me out and come in. And I was like, you know, can I help you? And he, oh, well. Are you um, lost, sir? <laughs> so-and-so's radio show was talking about how great his store is. And I was like, oh, all right. You know, and you know, I didn't have anything to fit the guy. and But he was just curious. And I guess, you know, I appreciate that when somebody speaks well of my store, you know, obviously. Yeah. obviously but. And then, you know, I usually cut to the chase and say, well, maybe you might have something in your mother's attic or in your attic that you could sell me. <laughs> <laughs> you know, if you can't buy something, you know, I'm, I'm buying. <laughs> if you can't buy them, sell them. Right. <laughs> or if you can't sell them, buy them. <laughs> On that note, are there things you wish more people would bring in to sell you? 40s gabardine yeah. suits. Yeah. <laughs> you know, you don't say. <laughs> yeah. I mean... Honestly, at this point, I mean, I'm trying to save stuff from the dumpsters, you know? I mean, we're going to the lengths of, uh, you know, trying to contact people that who, who we see own abandoned houses that we know are full of stuff to try and stop them from bulldozing the house with the clothes in them. You know, I will pay you for those clothes. I love the process of taking stuff that was destined for, you know, the landfill and bringing it back to life and finding somebody who just loves it and is going to wear it. I will see like a couple of years later, they'll say, man, that thing I got from you, that shirt or that jacket, man, I love it. I, people compliment me, compliment me all the time and I got so much use out of it. I think that's like, to me, that's like great. I mean, I don't know why it sounds kind of trivial, but I think it's awesome. No, that rules. Yeah, I mean, I think it's cool. Just that, the feeling of rehoming something. Yeah. Like, that feels so good. I think there's a lot more people that take that sentiment now. I think with, you know, with fast fashion, you know, people are starting to get sick of it, I think, and just cheaply made. I don't know. I, th I feel like a lot of people are like kind of getting on that bandwagon of like rehoming stuff and like passing stuff along. And not just for financial reasons, but because of, you know, why should it be in a landfill? You know, like if it's still wearable and it's still interesting, and, you know, maybe it's not classic, but it's cool. And, you know, everybody sees different things that they like about certain garments and, you know, construction or color or fabric or wearability or warmth. <laughs> <You know? laughs> well, it doesn't always have to be practical. You know, sometimes we suffer for fashion. <laughs> Ill-fitting shoes, you know. Oh, yeah. Well, maybe pants. more people should consider vintage furs for the winter. Yeah, eek, yeah. <laughs> Speaking on vintage furs is making me think of moths, and therefore, what are some of the challenges of moths owning a vintage clothing store? <laughs> I think it's probably, you know, now that I'm in a building that has no um, natural light, it's great because stuff doesn't get shop worn, but the moth situation is 
every vintage person's nightmare, particularly people that deal in real vintage stuff, because you lose a certain amount of stuff every year. It's almost inevitable. No matter how much you clean, everybody's got a, you know, some idea of how they're going to prevent moth damage. But, you know, it's, it's really difficult not to bring stuff in that has lava in it. Even if you, I mean, the only thing you can really do is if it's in the winter, you can put it outside in the freezing weather and it will kill it. But um, and we try and brush stuff. Dry cleaning doesn't really always do it, oddly. You That's know. horrifying to think that the moths are surviving the dry cleaning process. They are <laughs> Isn't it? Yeah, they really are hardy. Yeah. Oh, I hate and, you know, that. One time when I was in Fairhaven, I used to go around and um, I'd always check the cashmere. Because for some reason, they like that must be like real candy to them. Oh. And the cashmere would always be like, so I'd always check cashmere. Ooh, there's a couple moths, you know. And, but, I mean, now it's just like the wintertime is no problem because you don't see any. But it's funny, last year we went a little bit harder on the air conditioning and uh, just cleaning the floor because somebody had told me if you keep the dust bunnies off the floor, that's another place where they proliferate. Mm. So uh, we're always, you know, just trying to be, you know, just aware because, you know, over the years, I've, you know, sometimes I pull the jacket out of a rack and I look at it and it's like, oh, my God. And it still happens where, you know, like there it is. You know, and a lot of times they go for places where maybe even though they've been dry cleaned, there might have been some food. You know, moths are, you know, nasty. I don't like moths, really. No, I don't know a person who does. Yeah. We used to have a huge problem with it because we kept a bunch of taxidermy around. And that's like second only to cashmere is that they love because then they get the skin and the fur. And it's like, ugh, Ugh. I hate you. I hate moths. Yeah. And you don't want to chemical everything, you know? So That's the thing, yeah. But I think mainly keep it clean, keep it airy, like don't crowd things in together too much which is really difficult in the vintage world and um heat and humidity they like that so i heard this is all theoretical that someone used to keep like a big bucket of cashmere scraps or just any similar like fine did like, you just tell fur. me that recently because i heard this before i somebody... did i did not tell you no, I, I was looking it up because that. i've been having problems with um papirofages paper bugs uh, like and they were like you just take a bucket of something they really like and then they'll go there and then i can like kill I can everything that's bat, in there yeah. like <laughs> just suffocate them or something yeah, yeah. <laughs> so like i i mean that's gonna be a lot harder in like this kind of volume um but for a closet, might work. <laughs> yeah, it's as good a solution as I've heard. I've heard. Yeah. I just heard something very similar. I thought it was you that told me actually, because it sounded so familiar. But it does not work for bookworms, unfortunately. No. Oh. Which are a real thing. Yeah. No. They Silverfish. Some of mine. No, they're just bookworms. I don't know what the proper term for it, it, there it is. Are several different kinds of insect larvae that will just burrow into paper. Oh. Like bookworms, kind of like a blanket term for for all of them. Yeah. yeah. And a couple of them are moths, so. <laughs> I thought bookworms were just people that like to read. <laughs> what is one thing you wish people would stop coming to sell you? Um, <laughs> Respectfully to anyone who doesn't mean anything, it doesn't have value, but you have too much. Um, I guess, like, ugly clothes. I don't know. <laughs> I mean, some people show, show up with stuff that's, like, too contemporary, and they swear it's old. And I know better, but I don't want to insult them. So I'm like, well, but grandma you know. owned this and she couldn't have possibly bought anything past the age of 20. Well, how the hell did she wind up with something that was five years old? Then? <laughs> you know, I mean, I don't know, you know, and it's like I, I they're mistaken. But, I, you know, sometimes you just can't go there and tell them they're mistaken. You just have to say, well, you know, I get it, but it's I just can't really use this. That's why I try and, you know, send me photos and, you know. Send me a picture of the label sometime is really easy because I can tell right away. Or who did it belong to, you know? But I don't know. I'm working on films and everything now. I'm buying period stuff and almost not in a blanket way, but like more across the spectrum than I used to. I used to be very particular about everything, but 
But now we're working on some some films and stuff that they need just regular stuff from like say the 70s or the 60s. And some of it's not that appealing to me, but I know it's definitely stuff that they need and it's hard to find. So I've got the space. Why not just, you know, put it in and categorize it. And when they come in, you have it, you know. Yes. Yeah. You know, but but don't bring me any five year old crap that your grandmother bought in the nineteen forties. <laughs> Still has the JC Penny tag. Yeah, right. On it, like. like somebody brings something in and you say, Oh, this this is made in China, you know, I'm like, it's not that old, you know, it's made in China. It's like, you know, ten years old, it was in the forties, made it she bought it in New York. And I'm like, No, no. Yeah, grandma wasn't going to tour it in the forties. <laughs> Probably not. <laughs> But, A, you know, the customer's always right. <laughs> Although I'm getting away from that the older I get. Getting yeah. cranky, getting cranky. Felix knew the truth. The customer is always incorrect, and the guy who owns the store is always correct. Oh, my God, Felix. <laughs> God, he's the best. He was the king. He was the master. Wasn't he? Oh. <laughs> we always said tough but fair was like, that is Felix. <laughs> I think he liked me. I remember when I moved into um, the upstairs there. Yes. That, that, and he said, you're going to make boatloads of money. <laughs> and I said, <laughs> I said, that's really not what I'm into it for, but great. <laughs> you know? <laughs> Sounds fun. Yeah, no, nah, he was cool. What would your advice be to someone who's just getting started in like vintage clothing as like enthusiast, a collector, or God forbid, a seller? Uh, I mean, not, <laughs> well, I mean, buy what you like and just follow your passion for it. I guess it might not be selling; it might be just having cool stuff. And but I mean, you know, I'm always said I was a bottom feeder. You know, like and people like, you know, <laughs> you know. But I mean, I am. I I'd rather than go online and buy. Oh, hey, look, this designer thing's only like, you know, like eight dollars instead of fourteen dollars. I'm gonna get it and resell it. You know, I mean, I don't know. I tend to buy stuff I like for me. And if you're gonna resell, then just don't pay too much for stuff because you're gonna die with it. You know, if you, I mean, really, I mean, yeah. If you want to, hey, if you want to be in the casket with all kinds of old vintage stuff piled on top of you, then that's great. But which, you know, look at me you know, talking. <laughs> but, <laughs> but um, I mean, I think I loved it from the moment I walked into Bobby from Boston shop in P Town, Uptown Starters Ball. It was called. I was in. It was in the 70s. I was in P Town with some friends, and I didn't know anything about vintage. I'd never heard the word vintage clothing. You know, I was 17 years old. Um, I walked into this shop. It was called Uptown Starters Ball. And I walked in like, what's this? I went in. I was like, wow. It was like literally the skies parted. This beam of light came. I felt like I was <laughs> lifted. And I was just like looking going, wow. I just couldn't believe it. It was just beautiful. I think that was when the seed was planted for me. And then, you know, we be I became friends with Bobby years later. And it was like actually 12 years later that I opened my store. But I mean, I didn't think about opening the store at that time. It wasn't until, you know. 1985 that I started thinking about 1986 that I decided to open the store but I just loved everything about it I loved because his curation was I'd never seen anything like it he just was a master and um, he influenced so many people I mean just Google Bobby from Boston sometime you'll you'll see his legacy but he passed right around the time that I got this building set up and I was so disappointed he couldn't see it because it was all him I mean I feel like it was all him like and I think maybe about a month into being here some costume designer came in and she said oh did you ever have you ever heard of Bobby from Boston I said yeah he was a good friend of mine she goes well you know what this store reminds me of his store and I was like that's a compliment you could have given me <laughs> Because, you know, it's yeah. all him, you know. And uh, I've actually had a couple of his friends come in, old friends from back in the day who hadn't been here and got really emotional coming in, especially when I told them how much of it I say owe to him, but like I owe to him in terms of just influencing me and being a great guy too. But um, yeah, I mean, 
I think everybody has to have some sort of starting point, things that you see or like exposed to that sort of the switch gets flipped or you, you, you know, and that, that was, that was my time. And then, you know, I just started thrifting around and finding cool stuff that I loved and was like, whoa, and color and patterns. And, and then, you know, we just started filling the store with it. And then we were selling everything way too cheap. And, <laughs> but we didn't care. I mean, we were just doing what we loved and we were making a living. So we kept it going. And I always thought vintage was so undervalued because, you know, I said, you know, you buy a cashmere coat in a thrift store for $10 and, you know, it's like a $300 coat even back then. And it's like... <laughs> You know, wow. You know, we would sell them for 60 bucks and, you know, be like, <laughs> awesome. And people would be like, wow, this is beautiful. And I think that was, you know, one of the things that propelled us at the beginning. And then a lot of enthusiastic customers, you know. But no, I can't complain. <laughs> so I know I, I know you've mentioned before, you would not be interested in doing online sales. No. Or moving into that area. I tried it in 2000. I bought a computer and I wanted to justify it. <laughs> I said, well, I have this computer. And my nephew was computer savvy. I didn't even know how to turn it on. And I said, hey, Miles, um... If I die, you're going to inherit all this because I don't have any kids. Um, why don't you um, sell some of this stuff on eBay for me? We'll do it together and I'll give you 30% of whatever we make. You know, let's give it a go and see what happens. We'll just put a few things on a day, you know, put two or three things on eBay. Of course, eBay was great back then. There was all, all those weird rules and everything. <laughs> no PayPal. It was all, you know, you sent a money order. It was crazy. But um, the first thing we put on was a, was a gabardine shirt from the 40s, dead stock. And I knew it was a good shirt, but it sold for $405. And I was like, and my nephew looked at me and said, oh my God, we're going to be rich because, you know, I had this whole store filled with stuff and the first, literally the first thing we put yeah. on, so, and of course he's like a hundred bucks, over a hundred bucks, just typing in, you know, we took a picture, we did it and then I think we made it, we made a bunch of money in like just a couple of weeks and um, then I started getting like these, oh, I'm, you know, sending this back, you gave me the wrong information and I was like, what was wrong? I said, I measured it and this is the measurements and well, it's, you know, blah, blah, blah and it was just, it was nonsense and I was like, mm, I don't think I like this. I think I like personal selling. I like to sell something to somebody eye to eye, tell them the story perhaps. Everyone loves the story. Yeah. And um, I think that's the intangible thing that keeps me away from doing online sales because online sales to me is just like work, you know? And this doesn't seem like work. This is like fun. And this is like, you know, I don't know. It's just the vibe. Everything about it is good. And I'm super lucky. Believe me, I'm so, have so much gratitude every day, especially at my age that I can do it still and you know like today you saw what happened today we met that awesome kid with designer like who was so proud to show us his stuff I mean dude that's like to me that's the best I mean and luckily I get that's the crowd that I get in here it's like super cool you know vintage you know kids who are passionate about fashion but not fast fashion you know like creating their own you know I think it's great yeah I think I think one of the things that bums me out a little bit about the shift to online selling is that like these people get isolated yeah and, like the joy of it is meeting people yeah can't relate but valid well yeah I mean everyone has different <laughs> I mean you know you're making money you know yeah and some people can't get out some people maybe don't want to meet people and that's you know? fine and, I mean that's and, what it's for right but I feel quite differently about it <laughs> obviously <laughs> i mean but you know i'm fine i if somebody wants to sell online that's fine i just it's not for me i can tell you that yeah if i had to do that ooh, i don't know if i would keep doing it i honestly i also feel like the in-person sales you really cut down on the number of this item was not as described because it's like well you touched it you tried right. it on you looked at it in the broad light of day yeah. like if you didn't know what it was that's on you <laughs> yeah and imagine you're going through all measuring everything, getting it all, do this whole rigmarole. The person makes you offers or whatever, and then you send it to them, and then they they send it back. And then you ha you, I mean, from what I understand, I don't do it, but you you have no recourse. You have to literally refund their money and pay the shipping or whatever. You, you know, I mean, it's just it sucks. Not for me. <laughs> <laughs> 
any final thoughts to get off your chest about the vintage fashion world? Uh, I'm kind of glad to see it flourishing so much. I mean, you know, I don't love everything or every shop that people that these the kids are opening and stuff, but I just love that there's so much interest in it. And I mean, I kind of liked, maybe I liked the days when, you know, my favorite line is when my ex-wife who I opened the store with and I had split one of her parting shots was, I don't even like the business. It's just all your freaky friends, <laughs> which I mean, it's one of my favorite lines. And it, it, I, I just, I, I don't know why I think of that all the time, but I guess it kind of was, but I was, I guess that was kind of the point. You know, like I, I like the old days of it. You know, we didn't even have a freaking, I didn't even have an answering machine in my in my store. You know, I mean, imagine how many calls I missed. But um, <laughs> but I, I like that, you know, like I said, the, the youth, like these 12-year-old kids come in and they, oh my God, I love vintage and they know all about it. And they, do you have any, you know, and they ask for these obscure things. I'm like, wow, I don't even know what that is. And I, But I think it's great. And probably the number one thing I think of the young kids getting into it is that they're saving stuff. Stuff's not going into landfills. Like if grandma is getting rid of her stuff in her closet, it's not like, ah, throw it away. No one wants it. It's like the young kids are saying, oh, grandma, you know, people buy this stuff and you could, you know, you could sell this and it's like, great, you know? So I think that's probably the plus side of all of it. And I I guess I kind of like where it's going, you know? And sometimes I might feel like I'm being a little grumpy about like the t-shirt hounds or whatever, but I think it's, it's all good, you know? You know, I get these t-shirts like, oh, that's a thousand dollar t-shirt. It's like, oh, you know, who's going to pay a thousand dollars? But there are kids that do it, do pay. I just as soon trade it to kids who are obviously into like all aspects of vintage, but who love t-shirts and do that thousand dollar t-shirt trading within themselves for like stuff that I really love that I like, you know, like cool Browns beach jackets or, you know, or like cool denim or, uh, you know, an East West musical instrument leather, you know, <laughs> I haven't seen one of those in a while, but boy, I wish I did. Yeah. But anyway, I think it's cool. I think, you know, in some ways I'm I'm really glad that it's um, popular. I mean, it's good for business, I guess, but you know, it never really was all about the money. It was more about the love of it, you know, and I think that's where I try and stay. Yeah. And if I may, I think that's what makes it successful. I consider this place an institution to New Bedford. Well, thank um, you. I appreciate that. The best compliment I ever got was some biker came in my shop in Fairhaven one day, and I'll never forget. I was busy. It was place was door was packed, and I looked over, and what's he standing at the door? He just stood at the door, and he was he just had his head back, and he was looking. He was just like looking at the whole space, and he put his arms out. And now no one was even in front of him, no one even talking to him. I would, but I could see him, and I was watching him because I was like, what's that guy doing? And he put his arms out like on either side of him, like you know, like Jesus or something. He, got, he said. <laughs> The passion, <laughs> and I was like, so sweet. Wow, I'm like, I was like, God, I got a chill when he said it. And then it's funny. Years later, I saw him in a different shop, and he and I said, you know, you get you said you did something one day in my shop, and I didn't even think he would remember. But he said, I felt it. I walked in that door, and I felt it, man. It was so awesome. <laughs> and I, that to me, that was I like, that. that was amazing. I mean, yeah. I I've never, I'll never forget that. And the guy was just like, you know, he was just a cool guy, I guess, you know. But it was, I thought it was pretty cool. <laughs> <laughs> I love that. That is so cool. Isn't it? This guy was just feeling it so hard. He, he did, like, he yeah. had to say it. I know. I just loved it. I was just, I knew it. I felt, I was like, man, that guy meant that, you know? He wasn't just saying it to make me feel good or something. You know? He really <laughs> felt it. It was cool. But yeah, I believe, I mean, with a city that's lost so many landmarks, like, it's awesome that we still have this. Thank you. You know, I, I got lucky. I will say I got lucky. I mean, you know, I worked hard at it, but I did get lucky. I mean, I made some good moves at the right times. And, you know, the other day I was thinking, hey, I guess maybe I'm kind of smart. You know, I mean, I never thought, <laughs> but, you know, like, you know, acquiring this building and then yeah. at the perfect time, because if I hadn't moved in here, I don't really know what I would have done. Because, yeah. you know, especially with this kind of inventory, you're kind of at the whim of the landlord. And I was already at the Women of the Landlord, the last two stores, and it didn't end well, you know. <laughs> and, uh, you know, luckily I found myself in this situation, and this will be my end game, I'm sure, you know. Anyway, I'm still having fun. <laughs> yeah. That's the most important part. Yep.
If you would like to suggest episode topics or just say hello, you can email us directly, antiquesfreakspodcast at gmail.com. You can post in our Facebook group, Antiques Freaks Friends, or you can tag us on Tumblr, antiquesfreaks.tumblr.com. If you would like to listen to deleted scenes or listen to our special bonus episode presentation of the Victorian Penny Dreadful Varney the Vampire, you can hit up our Patreon at patreon.com slash antiquesfreaks. Special shout out to our patrons for paying our hosting fees and filling our hearts with love. And thank you in particular for listening. Au revoir!